Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. As I was asking God what to share about this week, I realized I have never shared about one of the things I hear the most from Christian parents who have lost a child. There are a few things, but this is on the top of the list, and that is prayer. We pray protection for our children, pray for healing, and when we don't see God answer those prayers to save our child and keep them here with us, it's frustrating or we're outright angry because it makes no sense, especially when we did everything on our end that we were supposed to do. So what's the point? If prayers didn't keep my child from dying, even though I based my prayers even on scriptures in the Bible, why bother praying anymore? This is, like I said, one of the greatest struggles I hear about in conversations with other bereaved parents. And I want to read part of an email I received on this subject. She says, We are told to ask and ye shall receive. When prayers are answered or miracles happen, we praise and thank God. But when people die, despite prayerful petitions begging to save them, people quickly say that it just wasn't God's plan. It feels like God is always off the hook. Are the answered prayers and miracles part of God's plan too? Were those miracles going to happen anyway? Or did people actually influence God and change his plans with their prayers and fasting? If I'm meant to be hit by a semi-truck while driving the kids to school, should I bother asking God to please keep us safe today during our morning family prayer? Have I been asking for the wrong things in my prayers my whole life? I believe we can ask for and receive comfort, knowledge, and understanding, but I no longer believe we can ask for specific blessings and miracles like healing someone or protecting someone. I don't think we can influence God. I think God is just going to do whatever the heck he wants, and we just have to accept it. I'm struggling to see the point of prayer if our prayers have no influence on God. So that was the email, and I will admit this is something I have personally struggled with, along with my husband Dave, even years after the death of our oldest daughter. I have continued to pray and have conversations with God, but I can still find myself hesitant when putting requests before him for things like healing or protection for my family, which I struggle with. So when I received that email, I decided it was time to settle this issue in my own heart once and for all. And yes, I did pray about it. It took me several days before I was ready to sit down and write a reply to this person who emailed me. And the rest of what you're going to be hearing in this episode is my reply to this email, along with some thoughts that I've had since then on the struggle that we can have for years with the issue of prayer following the death of our child. Now, a precious friend of mine shared with me a while back that she grieved for three years for not being able to have children. And she started out praying for God's will, and then she got to the point that she ached 
so badly for a child that she didn't care about God's will. She just wanted a child and would pay for the consequences of whatever that meant later. And that actually caused her to become hard-hearted, she realized. And when God broke her, she was able to once again pray for his will, even if it meant never, ever having a child. And yes, then she became pregnant, but she lost that baby. She had a pregnancy loss. That sounds pretty cruel, doesn't it? But because she had wrestled with that issue in her deep pain and grief, she was able to trust God to get her through it. And I will say, since then, she has been blessed with three children, but she's also gone through breast cancer, which became another level of trusting God. And my friend told me it was because of each of these things that she went through that she was able to pray and trust God through the next trial. Now, I have another close friend who lost her son-in-law, and I know it's not the same as losing a, a son. They can become like our own children. She lost him in a grain bin accident. He fell in, the grain came down, and he was suffocated. And she's talked to me about her struggle with this issue. And what is the point of praying at all if God isn't going to answer and just do what he wants or not step in to save someone or protect them? Now, since this happened, we've talked about it, and she has come to the conclusion that even though we don't like this Christianese answer because people throw it around in a flippant way, but God does answer our prayers. And just because it isn't the answer we wanted, it doesn't mean that he isn't good or that he didn't answer that prayer. We need to keep praying because it's more about our communication and our relationship with him than it is about having enough faith to command things to happen in the name of Jesus. And if God backed us up by giving into everything we prayed for, we would probably make a mess of things because we are so selfish and we don't see or we don't care about the big picture like like my first friend who got to the point where I don't care if it's God's will or not. I just want a child. His will isn't always our will. And we we really have to learn to be okay with that in this life until we join our children. In one of my books, when Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child, I share a couple of things that might be helpful. When our daughter Becca was only three years old, most of you know she was diagnosed with bone cancer in her left leg. People were fasting and praying for her, and I truly believed the more people I told that God was going to heal her, it was showing my faith. And that meant that God was obligated, according to his word, to heal my daughter because I had faith. And so, therefore, he was going to do it. But it didn't work that way. Becca still went through nine months of chemo. She still had her little left leg amputated. And so this sent me on my own journey about this faith stuff. Years later, when Becca was married and became pregnant, she was put in the hospital at around five months along. And she was given a 50-50 chance of surviving the labor and delivery because of the heart damage caused by the chemo. Now, I didn't understand when they wheeled her back to the, the operating room to take the baby early because they didn't think her heart was going to last much longer. I found myself crying and I didn't understand why because, like I said, I had been on this faith journey for quite a few years now. And I... I really trusted God. I knew that I knew that I trusted God. 
And Dave, my husband, nailed it when he said, it's because we don't know which direction we're going to have to trust him for. And that that was true. That was why I was crying. I trusted God with the outcome, but I just didn't know what that outcome was going to be and what direction I was going to have to trust him. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus said, those who mourn will be comforted, not that we won't have death and difficult things affect our lives. The other thing that I mentioned in my book, When Tragedy Strikes, is when I tell about a time that I was praying one of those fix-it prayers. I was quoting all the right scriptures. I was you know, telling God what I needed him to do based on faith, based on the word. And I, I heard God one day ask me in my heart, which prayer I wanted him to answer. And I was confused. I didn't know what he meant by that. So he reminded me how often I've come to him and given him permission to do whatever he wants to do in my life to get me where he wants me to be. And then he said, what if I want to use this circumstance in your life that you're praying against? You want me to do this, but what if I want to use this situation to get you where I want you to be? Which prayer do you want me to answer? The fix-it prayer or the do whatever you want to do in my life? And that hit me pretty hard. I did take the fix-it prayer off of the table, and I reminded myself that I have made him Lord of my life, which trumps anything I want, no matter how painful that might be here on this earth. And I'm not saying that anyone who makes Jesus Lord of their lives is going to have a child die. I'm just saying that that trumps everything that we want. During my days of prayer and contemplating how I wanted to answer the email I read a few minutes ago, God gave me a really strong earthly illustration of why it's still valid and important to come to him with our requests. And I've shared it with a lot of perivers, and they all say it's really good, and it does help to make a little bit more sense of this quandary we find ourselves in. So what God showed me is that as a king rules his land, his subjects will come to him to petition him for things, and he can either say yes or no based on his view of the big picture of the entire kingdom. He's over everything, and the subject will be happy with his answer if he gets what he asks for, right? But he could be pretty upset with the king if his request is denied. He may even be angry and slander the king to other subjects, deciding he isn't a very good king at all because this king didn't do what I needed him to do, forgetting that the king is looking from a completely different viewpoint. So the subject may not always get his request granted, but at least he came before the throne for the king to hear his case. If that subject, if that peasant or whatever you want to call them, didn't bother coming to the king with his need, then the king has no obligation whatsoever to move on his behalf. And that is a big reason why we need to keep praying. I believe this is what request prayers are like. I'm petitioning the king for what I think I need or even something I desperately want. He answers, according to the big picture of eternity that I cannot see based on information I don't know. And sometimes my request is granted, which makes me happy. 
and sometimes it is not, which can make me hurt and angry and believe he isn't a good king or a loving father, but I still need to continue going to him with my requests and knocking on the door to see if it opens for me. If I don't bring a request to him, he is not obligated to honor that request or that need. But he has the final say on whether or not that petition is granted to me or not. I understand the struggle. And yes, I still sometimes wonder in my thoughts why I should bother asking God for something, especially when I feel like yet another prayer hasn't been answered in the way I thought it would or should be answered. And when I find that happening, I'm learning to ask God what it is about him that I don't understand yet. Because when I try to lean on my own understanding, I get all messed up. So I need to see things from his perspective. So my question, I try to remember to ask, God, what is it about you that I don't understand yet that is causing this prayer not to be answered the way that I want or think it should? And if I don't get an answer to that question, then I've decided to just keep going because I might not get that answer right away. And I have chosen to believe that he does see what I can't see and he does know what I don't know. And I'm going to continue to share my heart with him, trusting that someday it will all make sense. I think the bottom line is that we try to make sense of God with our finite brains and limitations, but that's just plain impossible. We want God to answer us. We want answers which is just as futile as a teenager arguing with his parents, wanting them to answer him. How can they? How can a parent explain that they see what the teenager can't see, they know what the teenager doesn't know, or a young child, in a way that makes that teen satisfied with the answer? I mean, I think of a, of a teen coming and saying, can I have the keys to the car so I can go to such and such place tonight? The parent says, no. And that teen argues, not because there will be a satisfying answer. And once I know the answer, then I'll be okay with it. They, they ask because they want to argue why the parent's answer isn't good enough. How can God possibly explain to us through his lens of eternity in a way that would make sense to us about our child's death? My husband, Dave, he went through college, got a four-year degree in computer science. It was actually so long ago that he did a computer punch card program for one of his classes. His entire 30-year career was with programming computers, fixing computer programs and crashes, or internationally managing others who were programming computers and fixing you know, software issues. And there are times... I asked Dave, who is my personal geek squad, to do something for me. And every once in a while, he tells me it can't be done. And I always want him to explain why, because it seems like he should be able to find a way since he's a computer programmer by profession. And when I start digging in my heels and I want to know why, a lot of times he'll sigh, knowing that at some point, if he tries, when he tries to explain it to me, I'll get totally lost and I will not understand what he's trying to tell me. The real interpretation is I get frustrated because it doesn't make any sense to me. 
And I'm pretty sure the same thing would happen if I were to ask a nuclear scientist a question on how something worked, I would begin to glaze over because it's beyond what my mind would be able to follow or comprehend. Now think about this. God is so much greater than any computer techie or any nuclear scientist or doctor or engineer or whatever. So what makes me think that I would be able to follow or comprehend God's explanation to me about the death of my child? I think I would begin to just glaze over because it wouldn't make sense to me and I would still be frustrated. We often try to bring God down to our human level because we want God to make sense to us. We want him to be like us and in reality when you think about it I don't want God to be like me. I don't want him to be human like us. But the thing is we want to understand his actions, why he does what he does. And that's like the Israelites. In Psalm 103, verse 7, it tells us that they knew the acts of God, which left them always grumbling and complaining. But Moses knew God's ways. There is a big difference between knowing the actions of God and knowing his heart. And when we go beyond knowing the acts of God and press into knowing his ways, in other words, press in to know his heart, we can still trust that God is good and he is faithful even in the deepest and darkest pain we can face on this earth. And we can still pray, we can still talk to him, and we can still bring our requests before him, trusting that he's going to answer in the way that is best for the entire view of eternity. Hey everyone, can I be really raw and honest with you? We all face discouragement at times, and this is just one of those times for me right now. The enemy is hitting me hard in a lot of areas, and to be honest, I'm really struggling to the point that I have thought about just throwing in the towel and letting GPS hope fade away. In other words, I've become weary. The Lord keeps bringing Galatians 6, 9 to me, not to become weary in well-doing, for in time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. There was one day he even sent this verse to me from three different places on the same day. He's also been reminding me, sending me Matthew eleven twenty eight to come to me if you're weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. He's reminded me of Psalm 23 in my favorite version that says, I will restore your inner person. And I'm telling you this for a couple of reasons. One, I really need to know if I'm making a difference. Should I keep going? I mean, I get emails occasionally, mostly from someone replying to the weekly word of hope I put out. But is there just a small handful of you out there who are being helped by GPS Hope, or are there a lot of you? I don't know, because this podcast doesn't have very many ratings and reviews. It's the same with my books. I pour out my heart and my soul to perievers to try to help you. I just feel compelled to do that. And most of the time, I'm okay with not getting much feedback. I really am. But right now, because the enemy is coming at me in so many ways, I'm, I'm just fighting discouragement and even depression. And that leads me to the second reason I'm telling you this, because I know that as long as something like that stays hidden, 
the enemy will continue to attack hard. But if I expose the enemy by bringing my darkness into the light, then he'll be forced to back off because his plans and his darkness has been brought into the light. This ministry just doesn't get a lot of support emotionally or, I'll admit, financially. Those who haven't lost a child, they don't get it. They don't understand why bereavers, why parents who've lost a child need more help than anyone who's lost someone they love. And those who've lost a child are so lost in their pain that their huge loss is the only thing they can focus on, and rightfully so. I was there. I know how all-consuming that pain and darkness is. The third reason I'm telling you this is to ask you to please send up a prayer for me. I know that's a strange request based on the topic of this podcast episode, and I know how so many of you struggle and how it seems like prayer is pointless, but would you please pray anyway and ask God to fight the enemy on my behalf and to strengthen me in the battle that I'm in? If you do want to let me know that this podcast or GPS Hope as a Ministry has been a help to you, maybe you can leave a rating and a short review on whatever app you listen to the podcast on and maybe send me an email to let me know you did that, maybe what it said. You can email me at laura at gpshope.org. Or maybe you could send a financial gift, or even better, become a monthly partner with us to keep us going. You can do that at gpshope.org support. Now, I want to make it clear, I am not expecting either one of these. You are under no obligation or pressure to do either of those. I'm just kind of hoping that maybe a few of you will want to help me get over this slump by offering some sort of tangible encouragement. And if you just can't do that right now, it's okay. Believe me, it's okay. All right, that's enough of that. Let's go ahead and go on to our birthday segment. Because I didn't record a podcast last week, I need to do last week's birthdays and this week's birthdays, and I apologize to those who should have their children shared last week. First, we have Sean Klein, who was born on June 1st and is forever 33. Riley Whitehead was born on June 3rd and is forever 19. Aaron Page was born on June 6th and is forever 21. Beth Simmons Marsh was born on June 12th and is forever 58. We celebrate with these families the day that these children came into the world. We know how important it is for us to still acknowledge that day. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announce the week of his or her birthday, just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out that form, submit it, and I would be honored to share your child with our listeners. I hope there was something in this podcast about prayer that has helped even just a little bit. If you're like me, struggling with prayer after my daughter died, We can continue to come to him with our requests, knowing that he is God, and we're not. Someday, 
This will all be behind us, and we will understand as we see through the same lens of eternity that our children now have. But until that day comes, remember, and I'm telling this to myself as well, to H-O-P-E, hold on, pain eases, there is always 